Welcome to Amplify, the Revolution Her podcast, dedicated to uplifting, empowering, and amplifying women's voices globally. Our community is a fierce collective of women who are ready to live the lives they always dreamed they would. Together, our strength as a collective of inspiring and ambitious women is truly unstoppable. I'm Maria Locker, founder and CEO of Revolution Her. And I'm your co-host, Grace Mars, founding partner of Revolution Her. Today, we're talking about courageous leadership with Canadian icon Erica M., Erica M. is Chief Innovation Officer of M&Co., an award-winning digital marketing agency that helps brands connect with moms, as well as publisher of YMC.ca, a platform created for moms by moms. She is a trailblazer in content marketing and social media. Her collaboration with health researchers earned her a Governor General's Innovation Award nomination. And she is co-founder of the Inside Out Initiative, a not-for-profit created to help me-power teens to find their passion, purpose, and potential. Erica was one of the original stars of Much Music and produces a podcast called Reinvention of the DJ. It's so good. You got to check it out. And she's an entrepreneur, interviewer, author, playwright, award-winning songwriter, and sought-after speaker. We're just going to add in as well. She's an incredible supporter and she's been a longtime friend. Please help us welcome the amazing Erica M. I just unmuted myself. <laughs> you read off this illustrious uh, list of accomplishments and I don't unmute myself. Now, you know, that's really shameful. And I was waiting for the sound effect of the applause and the screaming. It was here. And all I got was dead silence. <laughs> oh, you're okay. It's all good. Welcome. And thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to chat with you today. I will be uh, at my utmost best in terms of trying to string words together. You know, this is the summer and mm-hmm. our brains, at least mine, sort of goes to sleep a little bit. Oh, so you're not the only one. Don't worry. Interesting exercise to wake up one's brain in scintillating conversation. <laughs> well, and it's us, right? So yeah. we'll just we'll just make it up as we go. Don't you worry. Yeah, we're all good. All good. Oh. We're so excited to have you here today. This is awesome. Yeah. I am very, I'm thrilled to ask you some questions and, and get going today. We've yeah, got a cool. lot of fun things to ask you. Wait, so. I'm going to turn the tables on you, Grace, because I tend to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you interview so many extraordinary women on your podcast. Why are you excited to talk to me? Why? I, well, actually later on in some of the questions, we we will be talking about um, Boldface. And I, you won me over big time with that, that presentation that you did, that talk you gave our community. I loved it. And I came away so empowered and just felt like, Everybody needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. You, there were so many great takeaways. And I, I, I just was like, oh, my gosh, why are you not? Why, why is this not everywhere? Like, it was just so inspiring, you know, sharing some of the, your journey and what you were up against and how you overcome it. And you, you took those challenges and turned them into opportunities. It's, 
it was amazing. Stuck with her. I, yeah. See that? It stuck with her for sure. And yeah. for me, like, I just, I've known you for, I'm going to say about a decade now. And I feel very fortunate to be in your circle. And I feel like everybody needs a little bit of the Erica M vibe yeah. around them. So for me, this is a really great opportunity to share your wisdom and your insights and just and your honesty. That was yeah. the other thing that really that I really loved too. It wasn't all flowery. It wasn't all like it was just honest, telling it how it is. Yeah, Grace, I really appreciate that you say that because I really am not flowery. You're right. And yeah. I feel like I have a really important message not just for women, but for people who want to live their best life and not in some sort of woozy self-help way, but actually changing the way you see the world and your relationship and your role in it and Mm -hmm. sort of lighting the fire that you can do anything because it's obvious that you can. Yeah. It just requires work and bravery. Yeah. And if you talk to anybody And I'm sure every single person that is on your podcast does the work Mm -hmm. and they're brave. Those are the two things. And so you'll hear, you know, throughout this, this conversation, I'm sure depending on what questions you ask, and I'm guessing every answer is going to be, I did it through hard work and by being brave in this particular (laughs) scenario. And I'm hoping that other people want to continue this conversation with me. I want to go and speak to organizations and corporations on how they can be brave and empower their employees because there is, you know, there's the great resignation right now. I'm sorry. I'm just taking over and just, no, do it. I do think that employees and employers are in this new dance right now and employers are kind of under the gun because the, the, the shift has sort of the power shift is fallen yeah. into the hands of employees. So employers are losing their staff yeah. and they need to change that relationship. And part of that is to empower them and treat them like entrepreneurs rather mm-hmm. than staff, rather than you work for me and do as I am told there needs to be a shift where employers start talking and treating their employees as we are in this together. Yeah. How can you be inspired to do what you do without me telling you what to do? Yeah. So to intrinsically motivate your, your staff to be brave, to yeah. make great decisions, to yeah. fail and to not be punished, to ask questions without punishment. You know, these are things that corporations don't do. Yeah. And it's part of the old school of management and things have to change. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things I really came away with is that we can all do it. We can all find that bravery. We can all, um, we're not alone. And I think that's, a lot of us feel that we are alone we we're the only ones that has the self-doubt or the lack of confidence and so but we don't <laughs> and it's the thing right because yeah. every single person has it my yeah. daughter the other day my 18 year old daughter very self-aware said to me mom I just feel like you know everybody tells me that I'm so cool but like I don't get it mom because like yeah I kind of know that I'm cool but like why does everyone say it <laughs> and isn't that the definition of imposter syndrome yeah, yeah. where 
on the outside, people watch you do what you do. And everybody goes, wow, great job. You are killing it. Yeah. And all of us are going like, what do they talk about? Like, what are they talking yeah. about? Like, I am so nervous, or I'm not sure about the decisions that I make, or I don't know what I'm going to do next. So the outside and the inside, inside. are not lining up for no. so many of us. Yeah. And then there's other people who are afraid to make that move or make a big decision or dress loudly or speak up mm-hmm. because they're afraid of what people will think of them. And yeah. so you're living your life always thinking about what other people want, not what you need in your yeah. life. Now, is that, an, is that something that, because um, as you get older, I think that happens less. Is it, is it an age so. thing? Like as we get older, we, we sort of care less about what other people think or? or I think it's partly the way you're raised. Yeah. Because think of the conversation I just had with my 18-year-old daughter, with me saying to her, I'm going to name that for you. That's called the imposter syndrome. And I sort of gave her the sort of science and the story behind imposter syndrome as it relates to women, but also most of us, even men suffer from this. And so I think it's how you're raised. And I think I was raised to be empowered and to not live my life for other people. And I don't think that most people have had that beautiful benefit of that. Mm -hmm. And that's part of my mission in life is to empower people. That is, in fact, my job in life is to use my voice to make things happen that I believe in, Mm -hmm. which is what we're doing here today. So hopefully by the end of this conversation, people who are listening will say, I'm going to take those three things away from this and I'm going to start doing them in my life. And they're small, like literally stop apologizing. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. We could talk about that later on. We'll just, that'll be our teaser. Okay. Okay. (laughs) My days on TV, (laughs) give them a teaser. Right. Don't apologize. Here's the thing though. You've been, you've been in the spotlight for 30 years. And so, you know, when, you know, for anyone who's just tuning in, if for any unknown reason, they're just meeting you for the first time through this podcast. I think that's highly unlikely, but if that's the chance, you've been doing this for 30 years and you've gone through so many ups and downs, you know, the challenges that you've mentioned, you've turned into opportunities for you. And you started out in the TV and music industry, which now I, I, you know, I feel isn't even, you know, things have changed and shifted so much since then, but I'd love to talk about, you know, that journey to where you are now and some of the challenges that you did face, how did they turn into opportunities for you? What did you do to make them an opportunity? Oh my God, Maria, we could spend two hours (laughs) on that is basically, how did you get where you are today? I could tell you a story. I could tell you pretty much the story, which I think is the story that everyone needs to hear from when I was, I don't know, 10 and it's the pizza story, Grace. I love oh, yes. this story. <laughs> Do you know so, what? I've tried to get my kids to order a pizza. And they say, oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. I should let you tell the story. Go on. Okay. And then I'll do it a little. And then you can tell me your story. Yeah. <laughs> I was around 10 years old, came home from school, super hungry, told my mom she could order pizza for supper. My mom said, sure, pizza is great, but you're going to order the pizza. And I was like, 
uh, no, mom, you're the mom. You're going to order the pizza. And my mom said, it's time for you to learn how to order pizza yourself. So we had a standoff. I stormed up to my room, waited hours. I was hungry. I came downstairs. Mom, hello, are you going to order the pizza? My mom said, nope. And so she said, if we don't order, if you don't order the pizza, you're not going to have pizza tonight. And so I called, hi, I'd like to order pizza, please. <laughs> Pendelli's Pizza in Montreal, for those who are in Montreal. Uh, what do you want on it? Double cheese, please. I was panicked. This man talking to me and he goes, fine, 30 minutes or it's free. And, you know, hangs up. Right. And guess what? It was this craziest thing happened 30 minutes later, the pizza arrived and I was wolfing it down. Like I ordered yeah. the pizza. And so my mom says like, so what did we learn from this? I was like, pizza is great. And my mom said, no, you don't be afraid to ask for what you need in life. Don't be afraid to ask. Okay. Takeaway number one, ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to ask. So my mother ingrained that in my head and I had a positive outcome. So it sort of, you know, it, it made sense to me. I was like, oh, I wanted something. And my mom said to me, by the way, and this is really important, what would have happened if that man didn't take your order? And I said, well, I'd cry. And she said, <laughs> no, you'll go to some other pizza place and they will send you pizza mm -hmm. and you'll find a place that will listen to you and treat you with respect, et cetera, et cetera. And so that has always sort of been in the back of my mind where every job or opportunity that I wanted, I hear my mother's words in the back of my head, don't be afraid to ask, what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. And the worst thing always is you're vulnerable. So your feelings will be hurt. You'll feel like a loser. You'll feel like, well, I'm such an idiot. Why did I even ask? They think I'm an idiot. They think I'm a loser. I'm not good enough. What was I thinking? That's all in your head. Yeah. Because sometimes when you ask for things, say you go for a job, maybe that person was sick that day and they didn't actually see your resume. Or like there's a million reasons why things don't go your way. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that you don't actually have the qualifications yet. However, when you ask, sorry, I, I will ramble, but when you mm -hmm. ask and you get a negative response, then you have an opportunity to turn it into a conversation and start a relationship. Oh, can you explain to me why you said no? Or can you help me improve that? Or, you know what? I appreciate that you're not in the market for my product today, but would you mind if I reached out again in like three months because I'm working on something new for you? It is up to us. Mm -hmm. We need to be responsible for receiving a potential negative response and then turning it into an opportunity. Mm -hmm. That's how you succeed. Or are you going to let some pizza guy shut you down and make you feel like you're not worth it? No, you're going to continue to ask and com continue to, I know Maria's smiling because I know she does it. Mm -hmm. You were telling me stories about Dolly Parton and the challenges of having a huge superstar like that. Yeah. And there was changing the dates on it and it was really freaking her out and it's Dolly Parton. <laughs> and that Maria called every single day. She bugged that guy every single day until he finally relented and fixed the problem.
be Maria. <laughs> and be you, right? <laughs> but but like, is- Maria, you do that, right? What's your... I t- do. Okay, talk about it. I do. Your- I, I, I think I'd mentioned to you, like, I feel like my superpower sometimes is just that I'm a nice person and I want good things for everyone. And so if I ask a million times, it's because I know it's a really good thing for everybody. I am at anything, if not relentless. I, I ask my husband, he'll tell you <laughs> when I have something in my mind, it is going to get done one way or another. And I think a lot of successful women do that. I yeah. I'd like to know all of them do. Yeah. Not, not some of them, all of them do. Yeah. And what happens Maria, when, when someone turns you down, I usually find a different way to get a yes. So ding, 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 ding. (laughs) That's creative problem solving. Yeah. And, and maybe hearing this for some people is just that realization that a no isn't, you know, a stab to the heart. It's not a punch to the gut. It's a creative opportunity for you to find new ways to do what you want to do and get what you want to get. Actually, you talked about that a lot in your bold face conversation, that idea of opportunistic optimism, right? You know, those opportunities that you have to create for yourself and being an opportunist can sometimes feel like it's a dirty word, but you actually have a really great spin on that, which I think is important for so many women to hear. Um, you want to share about opportunistic? Sure. I believe that an opportunity, an opportunist is not that traditional sense of you taking advantage of somebody, but rather finding mutually beneficial scenarios where both parties benefit in some way. And I feel like that is sort of a no-brainer. When you go to someone and you pitch somebody something, you're not pitching just yourself. You're pitching how you can solve their problem, help them out, do something in return. Always think of the other person when you're asking for something, how are you solving their problem or how are you making things easier for them? Or what kind of contra arrangement are you offering up? And I know again, Maria, I know you do that in Mm -hmm. everything, every ask you make, even to me, you say, Hey, could you do this for me? And listen, by the way, I also want to do this, this, and this for you. (laughs) How do you say no to that? First of all, just because one appreciates the fact that you are considerate of the other person, but also that it's so well thought out. I appreciate that. But you know what? I find women, well, some women naturally do this when they're in the right circle. When you're surrounded by like-minded women who are doing things for the right reason, you know, they're surrounded by other women like themselves. It's actually very easy to be an opportunist in that situation because I feel like everyone I'm surrounded by has the same goal. We want to uplift one another. We want to support one another, right? We we all want to see one another succeed. Not all women are like that and not all groups are like that. And well, we're very- I also don't only just work with women. I work with people. Exactly. So, but that's whatever. If someone is not receptive, it doesn't matter. It means that they're not your, the right collaborator for yes. you. That's fine. Not everybody is going to get you In fact, as my husband so wisely said, you probably remember this one, Grace, there's a seat for every toilet. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) And that's fine. You know, you're going to you can ask 18 different people and everyone will say no. 
Mm-hmm. What's her name? Um, Rollins, who wrote uh, Harry Potter. Oh yeah, J.K. Uh, Rollins. What is it? She she submitted her her manuscript to something like eighteen or thirty seven different publishers. Everybody turned her down until the last one. Well, yeah. the last one was last one until she would have submitted it to others. Yeah. Does that make her um, manuscript not good? No, yeah. it means that other people didn't get it. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's not good. Yeah. And by the way, I'm hoping that perhaps when some authors or sorry, when publishers turned her down, she might have responded saying, I would appreciate any feedback. And maybe, and I don't know if this is a case, she might have learned along the way and slightly adapted her manuscript so that it got better and better. Yeah. So that when it hit number 37, it was even better than the first iteration that she initially sent out. Yeah. Be open to feedback. Be yes. open. And I'm not saying do what other people tell you to do because you lose confidence in your vision, but you need to understand that your vision is great, but other people's vision or input can add to it, yeah. mm-hmm. but don't do anything that makes you uncomfortable. Trust your gut. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you feel like it's not in keeping with your values or your voice, you go, thanks, but Nope. <laughs> and you, those little voices inside your head are the, that important thing um, to listen to, right? Like I've learned over the years, I really don't share too much about what I've got coming or what ideas we're planning until I know it's like that idea that I'm not straying away from. Because it doesn't matter at the end of the day what too many people say, we're going to do. <laughs> I'm going to do what essentially is that that piece that's stuck in our mind. And what I, I want to go back to when you talked about leadership and cor- the corporate world, because having a leader and having a boss are two very different things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And leadership covers so many aspects of our lives, right? We, we're leaders at work. We're leaders by volunteering, raising our children. Um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about YMC or Yummy Mummy Club whichever you want to focus on. I'm not really sure which one to call it, but when I first met you, it was Yummy Mummy Club. Now it's YMC. That community that you built so many years ago has supported and inspired so many moms and parents. Um, and you've now sold that. That leadership change, what has that looked like for you? And how has that evolved? I think courageous leadership stems from purpose. If a leader doesn't have strong values and a purpose, then you're kind of rudderless. Mm. You're letting profits guide you or your ego guide you. But if you have a purpose, then you do things that make sense. There's like a a rational um, series of choices you need to continue to make in order to bring your purpose Further ahead, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking. Uh, don't don't get mad at me for this, but I'm thinking about the Ontario government right now, mm-hmm. and I feel like both the Ontario education system and the health systems are disintegrating in front of our eyes. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like it's our fault because we are choosing politicians 
who don't have a strong sense of public purpose. I feel like they are politicians as a career. Yeah. Right. We were just having this conversation last night with a friend, actually. But it's our fault. It's our fault. Yeah. Because, first of all, we are not voting for people who have that burning sense of purpose or the credentials that give them the the ability to make wise decisions. I also don't know. I also see in the government that they have teams of people, advisory boards, and then they choose not to follow the direction of the advisory board. Yeah. And I feel like strong leadership is building teams that you can depend on, that you trust and that you learn from. And I think that our government right now is not really doing that well. Yeah. And we voted them in. So, uh, but I, that's part of courageous leadership is having a burning passion, listening, mm-hmm. respecting the people around you, making decisions that benefit the most people, not yourself. Yeah. Y- you know, I mean, that's the patriarchy right there. Yeah. yeah. And those are tough decisions, right? For me, you know, when we talk about that courageous leadership, it's even in the face of apathetic people, because that's what I feel a lot of our community has become is there's apathy where it's just, mm, you know, whatever's think, happening. You know, I think there's apathy is because I feel like we feel, or we see that our politicians, which is in this case, our leaders, because I think that governments are kind of like corporations in a way. Yeah. They're not listening to us. Yeah. And when you are not listened to, you you become apathetic because you go, my voice doesn't matter. And that is so true in corporate settings, in organizations. Mm-hmm. I think it's essential for companies today to listen. Yeah. Listen is the key. It's important that, and again, I spoke about this, Grace, at our, um, when I uh, did the bold face presentation and courageous leadership for um, her revolution a few years ago, which was the importance of listening. So you have to yeah. listen, first of all, to your staff or your people, because your staff is in the weeds with yeah. your suppliers and your customers, et cetera. So they can tell you quite quickly what's going on, what's going wrong. And they're also they have enough knowledge to give you insight on what you need to change. Mm-hmm. You, listen, you need to listen to your customers. So in the government, it would be your constituents or, you know, in, in, a, in a, like a more of a retail or a corporation, you're listening to the end user, the people who are buying your products or services who may have negative feedback for you. And, you know, you complain that your customers are idiots, but really your customers are telling you how they're responding to what you are providing. Yeah. Yeah. You need to learn it's even if, even if they're wrong, even if their perception is right, you can't. So you need to fix, like you need to listen to, and actually not your gut, but your heart, even, you know, tough business leaders need to listen to your heart because your heart is where your values sit. And you need to make decisions that are sometimes hard where profit may not be first in line, it may be something more heart related, mm-hmm. which is where many employees 
are looking for leadership now, which is more of a heart-based um, sort of respectful, appreciative place. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, so, yeah so for those people that are maybe on the other side, so those employees, those people that aren't feeling that they're being listened to, what can they do to raise their voices? Uh, Snoop, buddy. <laughs> Snoop's got my... an answer. <laughs> Hold on, Snoop. I'm listening to him. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on a second. Snoop, no me. I know I, I appreciate your, your protection. Okay, come. Let's go. Come. Yes, the boy. <laughs> okay, so what could employees do if they feel like their voice is not being heard right now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's been, it's, it's been this roller coaster of a ride in terms Quit. of everybody. Quit. <laughs> Find a company that has the values yeah, that, that you're looking for. Yeah. And that will speak volumes. And corporations will have to learn they're already starting to wake up. Yeah. Oh my God. I am losing so many employees and guess what? It's so expensive to recruit new employees. The recruitment process, the training process, it's expensive. So essentially you're hitting them where it hurts and sending them a message. Mm -hmm. This is not how I want to be treated. I'm going to a company that will respect me and appreciate me. It's not all about the money. If you interview people and ask them why they left, a lot of people are leaving for lifestyle choices. It's not about the money. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, if you are in a position to do that, if you are in a position to quit, you know, there is job opportunities out there. You know, I I think that's what holds a lot of people back is this idea that, well, then I have to go look for a job. And what if I don't find what I want? And then how is the money coming in? Right. And so, I think, you know, if you've had those conversations and you're not being listened to, there's there's a process to getting there, right? Yeah, for sure. So I I want to talk a little bit about, you know, when we're when we're talking about courageous leadership, how does empathy play into that? Because, you know, we're seeing on a worldwide stage empathetic leaders like, you know, Jacinda Ardern from New Zealand. You know, she's been labeled an empathetic leader. What do you think might be the future of that leadership trend? And what could we potentially see? I think there's also a term for it, like the kindness revolution, mm-hmm. which I am part of <laughs> um, just inherently by the choices that I make in my life. I think that's where leaders need to look. And even if it's painful for them to be kind, even though it, it sort of doesn't make good business sense, it ultimately does because mm-hmm. it leads to retention. And it also leads to people being very proud of where they work and they'll work harder. Like, yeah. don't you get it? Yeah. When I had people, um, like I had about 50 people working for YMC back in the day, everybody gave me 115% at least. Why? Because they felt valued, because they believed in what they were doing, they were respected, um, the workload was flexible. They worked from home. This was way back before that was even a thing. Mm -hmm. And I trusted them. So the deal was, I know you're going to get the work done. You don't have to, you know, tell me what hours you worked. 
And if you've got the work done and it's good in 15 minutes, not three hours, great. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. And that's a major shift that employers need to make. Yeah, It's redefining what a good employee is and expectations and understanding that the way that businesses were set up were for a different era. It was for the industrial age where people Mm -hmm. were in factories. They clocked in, they did the work. It was mindless work. And then they clocked out. But we are not living in that era anymore. We are living in a creative revolution where it's, it's ideas and creativity that are fueling our economy right now. Mm-hmm. The tech world, etc. So yeah. those people and many other jobs can be so flexible. And when you treat people with, with, with respect, they feel heard, they feel seen, and they, they will stay and they'll work hard. Yeah. It's a good shift. It is a good shift coming. I hope, you know, we've talked about this, you know, especially when we, when we speak about how the COVID pandemic has really affected women and this idea of flex work, and it's put us back several decades. Um, You know, this idea that we can change it. We do have a voice. And I think that's what the piece is missing is a lot of people don't realize the autonomy they can have in making a change and have a, having that ripple effect, right? But yeah, I it's wanna, about being bold, being brave, being bold and, and brave, and using your voice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about your nonprofit because I feel like I mean, there's so much we need to touch on. But this is a really exciting time for for what you've been doing with your work. So we talked a little bit about YMC and how it's evolved. You've sold that business, kind of closed the loop there. Tell us a little bit about the Inside Out Initiative? I am driven by purpose. And my daughter had a lot of challenges with mental health. So I became one of the users of the system, understandings or the challenges that um, teens and parents have in finding good help. Mm-hmm. So that the, the first part of it was I realized that when my daughter was really struggling with anxiety and depression, et cetera, there was nowhere for me to be a part of that conversation in most psychologists' worlds or therapists' worlds. They would sort of give me the Coles notes a little bit, but really the conversation was with my daughter, as it should be. I didn't want to know the details, but no one was training me on how to be a helpful caregiver when my daughter wasn't with a therapist. The other 365 days a year, if you know what I mean. There she's, she's with the therapist one hour a week. And then it was all on me. And so I was thinking, you know, there needs to be something that acknowledges that our kids are struggling, number one, and number two, a place where parents can learn how to get involved. Cause that's what, when my daughter was in therapy, they gave us classes Mm-hmm. And so then I teamed up with a bunch of people and we understood that part of the reason why teens today are struggling. Yes, the pandemic played into it hugely, but even before the pandemic, our kids are lethargic. They're, they're not lit up. Mm-hmm. And 
what we have sort of come to understand is that our teens are being raised for out for the future that we are inventing, but is not going to be. Mm. The, the, we are not teaching our kids in school the skills that they need. We're not raising them to be independent and creative because the reality is that a huge majority of people are starting their own businesses or they're entrepreneurs or they're intrapreneurs. And so we're not teaching our kids to learn and live from the inside out. We're not teaching kids to recognize and understand what their passion is, to understand what their pain is, because mm. from pain comes our purpose. Yeah. It's, it's a documented truth in psychology. From our pain comes our purpose. And I challenge anyone to who's listening right now to think about it. What are the things, the traumas that, use, that you've had in your life? And what do you feel compelled to do in the world? Chances are there's a strong connection. Mm. And we want to help teens who are languishing to, and their parents and educators to reframe the education system, to light our kids up and for them to get excited about learning because they'll correlate learning with what they want to do in their life. Mm -hmm. So for example, my daughter is, oh, oh, I'll just tell you a little story. My daughter was not into school aside from being depressed and languishing and all that sort of stuff. She, and she has ADHD. So she just was like, she just had no um, inspiration to do the work. Mm. She just slept through her classes and in grade the end of grade 11, she started to do an she started working on an essay. It was like, what? And it was about hunters and gatherers and why there wasn't mental health issues back in that day compared mm. to today. And I go into her room and she is like, when I say lit up, her cheeks are pink. And she is like typing, typing, typing on her computer. I said, Jesse, what are you doing? She said, mom, I'm writing this essay about hunters and gatherers and why there is mental health challenges back then. And I said, but you're doing homework. She goes, I know, I know. And I said, I'm sorry, could you just stop for a second? Can you tell me why suddenly you can do your homework? Why are you capable of focusing on your homework? She looks at me like I'm an idiot. She goes, mom, I want to go to Parsons School of Design and you need good marks for that. <laughs> and guess what? Her marks were incredible that year, hmm. but that was nothing that I told her. Yeah. It's about just, them discovering that passion. She had to discover that her actions will directly influence her getting what she wants. Mm -hmm. And if we keep on imposing our view on what our kids need to do, keep on rescuing them every time they don't do their work and don't feel the repercussions we're not preparing them for the rest of their life. And we say that we want to me power kids for the for their future. And we chose that really specifically as opposed to empower because empower sort of implies that we will 
give Give, them the power. That's extrinsic motivation. But we want them to find the power inside them. And then we need to recognize what it is that's lighting them up and say, oh, I see you're really into skateboarding. Can I take you to the skateboard park? Mm-hmm. So, remember, it- but I'm just going to just let me just finish yeah. for one sec because when you ask me, you know, how did I get where I am? My parents were kind of kooky, I guess, because <laughs> from the time I was 16 years old, I was obsessed with the music business. And my parents let me go to clubs, not when I was 16, but pretty much at 18. I was working in a bar as a DJ. I I didn't go to university for a year. I took a, a, a year off. I worked in record stores. I worked with bands. Like I was a girl in a man's world. This was like 35, 40 years, 40 years ago. Mm. And my parents didn't say a word. They didn't even say like, be careful. My parents totally love me. They may have been worried at night. Like how was she going to make a living working in the music business? But they let me pursue what lit me up. I was on fire and I paved my own way mm-hmm. slowly, methodically. The only the, is one thing that I will say that my one regret is that I don't have a pension. Mm. <laughs> okay. And that's yeah. real yeah. because I paved my own way. I didn't play by sort of society's traditional rules and didn't follow a traditional path. That's the price that I pay. Hmm. It's a small price, but it is a price. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of resources then, so what can we, if, if we're going to, um, to visit um, the Inside Out initiative, uh, the website, are we able to get resources both as a parent and for our teens is, is there's resources for both of them, teens and parents? Is that what you're saying? Grace. Yeah. I'm going to be really candid with you. <laughs> we need to build a website and we right now don't have enough funds to build a website because we're still trying to launch. It's very, very oh, hard to okay. build a not-for-profit. So we have been doing a call out in the world of, Uh, small businesses, large corporations, for someone to lend us um, a web developer. Again, we're we're asking for help. Don't be afraid to ask. And by the way, we've been turned down so many times. Uh, But we we need right now the resource of people offering to do pro bono work or very inexpensive work because you're right. That website is the key to our entire framework. We have a a full curriculum that we're building for parents and for teens and we have nowhere to put it. Oh, okay. Okay. So So this is really new. I didn't realize it was that new. Well, we started it a year ago. Yeah. But how do you make money as a not-for-profit? Yeah. So we've been working, all of us have been working for free. There's a, we have, a, we have now a board of directors, really interesting people from the word of, world of psychology, of business, of education, yeah. um, entrepreneurs. So we are building our team, but this is all pro bono. Yeah. Everyone is slammed. Yeah. So um, me and the other four found, three founders have been working our butts off to try and get this off the ground, but it's very hard without any money. So 
donations would be incredibly useful. And people who want to donate their time would Mm -hmm. be really great. Yeah, I'm working with a nonprofit right now. um, And we actually, we're getting funding. I don't know if you've tried this through a community fund. So there are these community funds uh, in local areas that you can apply for funding to help with initiatives like yours. I don't know if you've tried that. No, we've got a couple. We'll send a couple of suggestions your way for sure. And anyone listening. Yeah. Yeah. Because Because it's funny. I've, I've only lived in the world of commerce. Like what's your budget buddy? Yeah. (laughs) And this is a completely different altruistic endeavor that will hopefully change the trajectory of teens lives. Yeah. Um, But it's cost money. Yeah. And no one's investing in education. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, but this is important. And I'm glad we could touch on that here because if there's someone listening that can help or offer a suggestion, you know, you can always email us or you can go and email. um, Is there an email they can connect with? Hello at IOI.LIVE. Perfect. So hello at IOI.LIVE. Okay. Or live. Or live. I like that. No. And you know what? It brings us to, you know, this idea of fulfilling your passion. So, you know, you're, you're living with purpose. You're doing what needs to be done. Sometimes it's hard to get those things off the ground because with, with purpose and passion, it's, it drives a lot of the vehicle, but there's so many other components that lead to success. So if anyone can help, you know, I I think it's important to share it out loud and you did, which is, Mm -hmm. which is a big deal. So, you know, when we're looking at the topic of today and we've talked about courageous leadership and we've, we've gone in and out of so many different aspects of leadership and what that could mean you yourself, you know, I, whether you realize it or not, you've been a mentor to me over these past 10 years, you know, we've always kind of bounced ideas off of each other. And I'd love to know, you know, over your career from the very beginning to where you are now, if you had to pinpoint one or two rewarding aspects what's really stuck out to you that have it's lit your fire and made you want to continue going on i'm going to answer first of all with a different answer and then i'll tell you the other answer (laughs) (laughs) so the first thing is the reason why i have been um i don't know if the word is successful but consistently i don't know if the word is that's a wrong word successful but that I'm still relevant. That's the word. The reason why I'm still relevant is because I am unabashedly myself. Mm-hmm. That my story of empowerment that I shared today is the same story that I was saying when I was on TV, when I was in my 20s and 30s on Much Music, when I was in quotation marks, the voice of a generation, is the same message that I shared today. Mm-hmm. My behavior then is this same behavior that I have today of lifting people up, respecting people, culture of kindness. Um, I'm sort of that person where I really believe in the the importance of women um, feeling empowered. And I, when I was very young, um, I was pressured to get a nose job when I was on much music because I was hmm. ugly and I, you know, I, and I almost did, I called my mom and I said, you know, everybody says I'm so ugly because I have a big nose. Should I get a nose job? Because like everybody is saying that you need a nose job. And my mom said to me, you, you totally can. 
keep in mind that you're not going to look the same and you were hired because of the way you look. And something dawned on me and I was like, wait, right. This is me. And now as I age and I have wrinkles and sags, et cetera, et cetera, I still haven't done the Botox thing yet because I feel like that is another way that the world is diminishing our power by telling us that as we age, we're not good anymore. And while they're saying that they, the patriarchy that sits in their corporate offices, making billions of dollars on our insecurities to me, that's a is, whole nother discussion. <laughs> it is. So look, when if someone does Botox or whatever, totally fine. I don't judge you. I'm saying for me, I am, it's a political statement. That's what I'm saying. It's that yeah. I am not going to buy into this commercial world that tells me that I need to look a certain way in order to stay relevant. And um, I feel like, it's a joke because we both know that once you're on the treadmill, you're going to continue to age anyway, and you're going to have to use more and more and more. And you're going to line the pockets of all these bastards who are hoping that we feel less and less good about ourselves. So like this whole gray hair revolution, I love. Yeah. Because right away you're taking the profits away from a lot of those, the people who want you to dye your hair again, I'd, I'm still like, I'm partly gray, but I still color my hair a bit. So again, it's not a judgment on people who color their hair. It's just understanding where it's coming from. Yeah. And if you want to do it for yourself, great. If you're doing it because you're worried about being judged, not great. Right. Different, right? Um, and so that to answer your question, <laughs> <laughs> I think the most important thing for me about the many successes that I've had over my career, including YMC, is the day-to-day community and collaborators that fill my life and the relationships that I've built in doing it. Every project that I do, every project is a partnership. And that's my hobby. (laughs) I like to run. I love being at my cottage. I ride my bike sometimes, but really my hobby is the work that I do and the collaborations that I have to build something cool. Yeah. yeah. So the people that I work with really matter to me. They don't, they're not my best friends, but the, the time that I spend with and the relationships that I have, the working relationships I have with them, are so important to me and they fill me up. So when I'm not, when I don't have a, an exciting project, I feel deflated because I feel lonely. Yeah. So it keeps us going, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all it's what true. keeps us going. So what's next? We've, you know, what is there left to do? <laughs> well, it's a really exciting time for me because I closed the entrepreneurial loop. I started a business 15 years ago with a vision to create an online property for women by women. I launched a marketing agency by women for women to connect brands with moms. 
And I'm so thrilled that a few months ago, I sold my business to the owners of Toys R Us and Sunrise Records and HMV. Thank you, thank you for the applause. <laughs> um, and it was very strategic. I wanted to sell the business to a larger entity who could leverage what I've built and build it into something even better. Mm-hmm. And that's what's next for me. Part of it as the, the head of innovation for the business is to come up with new ways to connect with moms um, using all the partner companies that are part of this larger organization. So that's, part, but I only work for them part-time. Nice. <laughs> the other thing I want to do is, or continue to do is get in front of more audiences and empower women, young people, employees um, to put on their bold face and to become courageous leader leaders in their own lives. It's yeah. not just the people who own the companies that are leaders. Yeah, We're all leaders in some way in our lives. So that's really important to me. And of course, to make the Inside Out Initiative not-for-profit come alive this year. Yeah. And um, we're, gonna, we're building these um, interactive courses for teens to help them discover their passion and their purpose and ultimately create what we call a me map, which is a map to help them understand their self, their purpose, their passion, their potential, and use that map when they start thinking about, do I want to go to university? What do I want to do in my career? And at the same time, do parallel courses for parents to help them understand and value the concept of intrinsic motivation, which is raising our kids differently. So that's that's sort of what's... And then, of course, I want to like write a book and like... (laughs) write songs and <laughs> be in shows and host podcasts and, you know, oh, whatever wow. I have time for. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to be busy at all. Well, but- my kids are both um, moving They're My daughter is going to Halifax and my son is going to Vancouver. So I'm an empty nester. So I have even more time. Yeah. yeah. I, I love it though. You know that you just have such a, a fire in you that you, I don't know. I, I feel like you must know that you just emanate this, but just that zest for life that, you know, continually pursuing what you, what is lighting you on fire. It's just, it's infectious in such an amazing way. So and surrounding yourself with people who make your life better. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, that's a pretty big key. Pretty lucky that way. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, no luck. No That's luck. That's not luck. That <laughs> I is know. Not that was the luck. other thing. Yeah. That is not luck. We make choices minute to minute about what our life looks like. True. And you can have the life you want. You just have to make choices. So true. I gotta. It's, I have so much to work on. This is good I though. Know. You know what? You've you do need so to much. do a book. You need to do a book yeah. about bold face, putting your bold face on. Like I'm like. You got to do that. We're, we're on board. Yeah. Tell yeah. us how we can help. And we're, we're there. I'll edit whatever you need. <laughs> <laughs> Go team. Right. Okay. We've got some rapid fire questions to close up this incredible conversation. Um, because somehow this is what happens when we're with you, Erica, just time just flies by, but we have some fun questions to close out. Just say whatever pops in your mind first. Um, and then here we are. All right. Okay. 
I'm going to go first. First yep. question. As you're such a music buff, if you had, what would be your theme tune? Oh, what song? Yeah. In the Name of Love by you two. Good choice. Yeah. Oh, that ties everything that you just talked about. I into. know it does wow. full circle. Okay, just so anyone who's listening, we don't our our guests don't know what our rapid fire questions are. It's like you nailed that one. Let's see yeah. what the next <laughs> one is. Um, where is your favorite place in the world to be? Maria, <laughs> I know, but just for everyone else. <laughs> I bought a cottage three years ago near the town of Bob Cajun where I am sitting right now and it's my happy place. So it's my little, my little cottage. I never knew what serenity really felt like. And it's here. Oh, that's wonderful. It's beautiful. It is. (laughs) When was the last time you did something for the first time? Uh, When did I do something for the first? Wow. I don't even know. Oh, oh, I know. Um, last week, my neighbor George came over and I helped him fix my sink. So I'm learning how to do home repairs. Now. Awesome. And my neighbor George, who's like 74, is my mentor. Yeah. And he helps anytime something breaks, he comes over and he doesn't just fix it. He teaches me what he's doing. Yeah. So the answer would be fixing my sink. I love it. (laughs) I love it. Every part of that. Um, All right. In the quiet moments, where does your mind wander to? What can I create next? I want to write a novel. I want to, I want to create. I'm just always thinking, what can I create? I just, I'm just looking to the universe for opportunities it's, it's weird. Uh, everywhere I go, I'm an opportunist. It's like I'm, I have my tentacles out and looking for the next things that will excite me. Awesome. Are you an early bird or a night owl? I'm in between. I get up at like 7.30, 8 o'clock every day, start with a coffee, read the newspaper and go. Yeah. <laughs> And then no super late nights because you must have a beautiful sky out there where you are. I stay up till about 1130. So okay, I'm just, yeah. I'm just average. I sleep. Like I make sure that I get like yeah. seven and a half hours of sleep mm-hmm. um, because I don't do Botox. So I, <laughs> I, have to, I have to make sure that I at least sleep. Yeah. You know, um, I'm telling you, as I get older, sleep is my number one priority. I just yeah. like, I can't function if I don't get it. Mm-hmm. It's important for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a tradition that you want to pass down to your kids? Well, I have a tradition with my family that I believe my, my family will pass on to their family if they choose to do it. Um, I do, um, uh, what's the word? I lost the word. A treasure hunt? No. Um, scavenger hunt? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do a scavenger hunt every year for my kids' birthdays, where I buy them a bunch of different gifts, some big, some small, and I write little limericks or riddles um, for each. And then my husband and I hide them around the house. (laughs) And I've been doing it since they were like four years old. 
And oh, I still do. Awesome. They, they roll their eyes a little bit now, but they still <laughs> they love it. They love it. They love I, it. I love it. And I've kept most of the clues. So because they're usually about them some yep. little bit, you know, like Jesse, you're a dancer, da 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 answer, da 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 you know. Yeah. So, so I have all those clues. Oh, I that's awesome. That. That's great. I love that. Okay. Last one. Mm-hmm. Do you have a guilty pleasure? And what is it? Uh, I guess it would be dark chocolate. I'm yeah. obsessed with it. Yeah. But I like anything bitter. I like Aperol. I like mm-hmm. Campari. Uh, I just like yummy, bitter, sweet yeah. foods. Bitter, sweet. Yeah. Just like life. Ah, just yeah. like life. And yeah. There's lots of, you know, there's so much more. I just feel like we could just dive so much more, but this was a perfect way to just connect with you and learn more about all that you've done and all that is coming and just you, you're a wonderful you. And we're just so thankful that you spent time with us today. Yeah. It's been Um, awesome. Thank you. I just, and I want to congratulate the two of you for reinventing and for constantly pushing um, the boundaries of what it is that you do, trying new things, not afraid of failure, not, not worried what other people think about you, but just doing what you love. And yeah. loving what you do. <laughs> and that is also really important for people to know that you don't make a lot of money doing this. You, yeah. you do this because it is inside you. I know both of you are just. Oh, we love it. Like, honestly, love it's, it. You, it's like you say, it's a hobby because you just love it so much and you just, it doesn't feel like work. It just, it's just like. And by the way, do what you love and the money will come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We believe that. Yeah. And, you know, for us, we actually, when it's podcast recording day, we both will talk beforehand and we're like, oh, we're so ready. And then we talk after the podcast is done and it just it's like us. Uh, yeah we're set for the it entire gives us week. the inspiration and motivation then we need for the rest of the week to just keep yeah. going it's it's yeah it's so great doing these we love it it's mm-hmm. yeah it's great well thank, thank you, you for so spending much. the time today and for everyone listening so go you know check out ioi.live um you know, connect if there is a way that you can help with the Inside Out initiative. You can also find more information on Erica M through all the links that we're going to share on our podcast page and just connect really, you know, for us, if there was any bit of inspiration or empowerment that you felt from today's conversation with Erica, please feel free to share with, you know, a few other women as we all connect and empower one another. Only good things can come. I love when people reach out to me and say, you know, when you said that part on that podcast, it really connected with me, or I want to know more about this because I feel like it's, although we're having a conversation, it's really Mm -hmm. a one-sided thing. And that's the disconnection with podcasts because they're not live interactive conversations like we did a couple of years ago with you where yeah. I was answering questions. So if people want to further the conversation, ask me something or just let me know what resonated, that would be super cool. And I'm all over social media. Yes. So feel free to reach out, especially <laughs> LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. That's good to know. We'll make yeah. sure that link is available then. Cool. All right. Until we talk again soon, everyone, have an incredible week. And again, thank you, Erica. We can't wait to see what's up next for you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>